Today, uh, Mr. Richard Flint is going to be joining us, and he has a specialty in studying human behavior. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you are listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I have a very special guest today. Uh, you know, I find that I often say that about every one of my guests. I think all of them are special, and they are. But uh, today, uh, Mr. Richard Flint is going to be joining us, and he has a specialty in studying human behavior. So we are going to dive in, and we're, we're all human. We all behave in certain ways, and he's going to tell us why, how, and what we ought to be doing. Richard, welcome. Thank you, Doug. It's an exciting time to be with you. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, likewise, likewise. So how did you get into this area of studying and becoming an expert on human behavior? Well, it's interesting because I've always been someone who's been interested in watching people. And I think you learn many times you can learn more about watching from watching people than you come from you can from listening to people. Uh, and so I've been on this international lecture circuit for 35 years. And prior to this, uh, I worked as the director of counseling for a very, very large church here in South Florida. And churches, you know this, Doug, churches are not immune from their own set of challenges. And we had three men in the church who decided they wanted to destroy the church. And they were good at what they wanted to do. And so there were 17 of us on the church staff, and I was the last one to leave. Uh, there was a gentleman in the church, most creative mind that's ever been in my life. And everybody needs a creative person around them. If you and I don't have a creative person around us, sometimes we lack the challenge that we need to keep us fresh and keep us breathing fresh air. And he came to me when he knew I was resigning from the church and wanted to know if I would run a counseling center here in the Palm Beaches uh, that was free for people to come to. This gentleman had more money than he knew what to do with, but he understood the word stewardship, which to me is a phenomenal word and language. Uh, in the Greek language, it simply means responsible for. And while I was running that counseling center, I wrote some magazine articles that got some international attention and started getting uh, groups that would ask me if I would come and share my research and my philosophies with them. And so I did that on a limited basis for a year and a half. And don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where all of a sudden you woke up one day and you looked in the mirror and you thought, man, I, I've, I've been missing this. <laughs> right. And, and so um, I made myself available. I opened up that world to speaking. And uh, that was 35 years ago. That's and amazing. Then I've written uh, 19 books. I've got two more that I hope to have out this year. And I'm known, look, I'm known around the world for my philosophies. And probably if, no, if you go anywhere in the world where people know me, um, they will tell you they will remember one three-word philosophy that I teach. Behavior never lies. That behavior essence, never lies. Yep. I like that. Yep. That the essence of truth is not what someone says, it's what they do. 
And man, is that apropos today. It is. It is. I, 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 I don't want to get too far off the track here, but you said something in that intro that I, I can't help but ask about. You said we ought to, always ought to have a creative person around us. What if you happen to be that creative person? You are the one that tends to do that with everybody else. Well, <laughs> that's me, Doug. Uh, if God has given me one talent, it's the ability to show people the pathway through their confusion to the land of clarity. And sometimes being that creative person can be a very lonely life because what is interesting, and I don't know if this is true about you, I get the feeling it is, but people come to you for guidance. And it's challenging sometimes to find somebody around your life who can provide you with that guidance. And for a long time, I didn't have that, Doug. And I was in um, outside of Tampa playing golf. And I got paired with this gentleman from Houston. And we didn't know each other, had never met. And we got paired that morning. And I, he asked me when we finished, do you want to have lunch? And I said, no, I am not here to socialize. I'm here just to relax and unplug from people and everything. <laughs> so he said, okay, well, the next two days, they paired us together again. And lo and behold, uh, this gentleman became uh, probably the closest male friend I've ever had in my life. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And he's someone that I can go to. And uh, he, he never gives me answers, which is what I love. Um, and you know this. A lot of times people come to us and they want us to give us answers. And what they're looking is they're looking for an excuse. People who are looking for an answer are always looking for an excuse or for someone to blame. Right, right. And, but all of us need a creative person around us, someone who challenges us. And when I find that, that people that don't have that creative person around their life, they get trapped in their own circle of sameness. And it's, it's easy to get trapped in. Because if you don't have someone to challenge you creatively and energy-wise, it's easy to allow yourself to get trapped in living in the world from the outside in. Right, right. If you have that creative person in your life, you can live from the inside out. You know, that concept strikes me as very pertinent to the audience that I, I serve the the business owner and or the larger company executive because when when you rise to that level either you create a business or you're promoted into some leadership responsibility that automatically becomes kind of a lonely position and oftentimes i see these people that have gotten there and they do isolate and everything is is coming from the inside out without any real um, effort to um, to consider other options and other ideas, and it becomes really a self fulfilling spiral uh, that for some gets really dark really fast. Yeah, and and you know, I I need a challenge. 
my mind, uh, my mind never shuts off. Uh, I wake up in the morning and my mind's filled with ideas. And I get up and I, I spend my day not with a to-do list. I don't believe in to-do list. I think a to-do list is actually a negative thing because most people on their to-do list, they have things on there they don't want to do. So they keep moving it around so that they can't do it. And I have found that there's power if you just change one word. And it's not to do, it's to achieve. Yeah. I get up every day looking to what I can achieve. Because if I can achieve something today, at the end of the day, I feel good about my day. And if I feel good about my day, I rest a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know a, um, you probably know him, uh, you may know him personally. John Maxwell says that the one key thing he encourages people to think about is in that notion of achieve something for the day, you know, his extra angle is create some value. Mm-hmm. create value in somebody's life or some situation. And if you can close out the day and look back and check that box along the way that you did, in fact, have an opportunity to create value that you've, you've really accomplished something. See if this makes sense to you. I live with a philosophy. Somebody today needs me. And so when I get up uh, my quiet time in the morning, one of the things I ask God for is to show me that person today who needs me. And I go through my day with uh, my eyes and my ears open because I think you hear with both. And there's hardly a day that goes by that someone doesn't enter my life and I don't have to walk up to them and go, hey, do you need me today? <laughs> right, right. Because they they just reach out to you. What uh, uh, let's break down this idea. I, I love your phrase, your philosophy. Behavior never lies. There, there's a corollary to that that is definitely part of executive coaching. We we talk about showing up in the moment, being present. Um. You know, walk what you talk. You know, that's another version of it. And how do you encourage somebody to start making a change toward more intentional behavior? Well, first thing I want to do is I want to challenge their honesty. Because I learned this running the counseling center. Most people want honesty as long as it's not honest. <laughs> Good. And when I when I work with people in my mentoring program, one of the first things we talk about is how thick is your skin? Can you handle honesty? And are you here just to vent and to sort of unpack your your drama bag and look for me to help you? Or are you here because you really, really, really want to grow? And I base that, Doug, I base that in four questions. What do you really want? And it's not what do you want, but what do you really want? The word really is an introspective word. And then why do you really want this? And those are the two discovery questions. And then the last two questions are the commitment question. What price are you willing to pay to achieve it? 
because you haven't gotten where you have, I haven't gotten to where I am without having to pay price. There's a price tag to everything you want to do in your life. And that's where most people break down. They can, they can tell me what they want. They can tell me why they want it. But when you get to the price tag, that's where you get the time out. And then the fourth question is really the commitment question. What behaviors will you have to improve in order to achieve that? And those two, those four questions really have become the, the foundation to a lot of my mentoring with a lot of leaders. Um, because I think there's a difference between being a leader, providing leadership and leading. And those, I, I think, I think all thoughts travel in threes. That's just me. And I think sometimes we have people who are a leader because they have a position, but they don't understand leadership. Right. <clears throat> and then when that happens, they can't lead. No, I agree. I, and I speak of that in terms of there is something called the power of the position. And anybody that's in a good size organization, you're familiar with the charts they draw of who's responsible for who and who reports to who and all that. And in each of those boxes going up the pyramid, there's a level of power that comes with that. If you get named to be the one in that box, you're going to have certain levels of authority and jurisdiction, so to speak. What I always tell my clients is that power of the position is the very last power you ever ought to exercise and hopefully never have to exercise that power if you're really doing a good job leading the situation you will actually never have to use that power yeah and that goes into the probably the the second uh biggest philosophy that i teach and that is that if you're a leader, you want to achieve one thing. You want to have a positive presence that is present when you're not present. And that real leaders, they walk among their people, but they don't have to continually tell people, I'm the leader. Right. Because the presence they demonstrate is the power that they generate. And that power is based in respect. Uh, that power is is based in people knowing that they're cared for. Uh, it's based in the people knowing that the leader sees their value. And in that value is where they can help develop people. Leaders are only as strong as the people around them. True. True. Yep. <clears throat> You also said something in your open about bringing people to clarity. Uh, talk about that idea of the importance of clarity. Well, I believe in life that, Doug, there are only two foundations that a human can stand on. There's one foundation that's based in belief, trust, and faith. And the second foundation that's built, uh, that's based in doubt, worry, and uncertainty. And the thing about it is when I have that, that belief that I can, and I trust that I can, then I know that I will do it. 
And then when I have the faith that I can make a difference, uh, it allows me to step forward with a sense of calmness, a sense of clarity, and a sense of confidence. And this is why this behavior never lies is so important to me, because I'll listen to everything that a human says. But what I'm going to study is their behavior. And as they walk in the midst of their people, do, we, do, do they do it with belief, trust, and faith? Or do they arrive filled with doubt, worry, and uncertainty? And their presence creates so much of what will happen in the environment. Yep. <clears throat> so very true. And Richard, it's hard to believe, but we're up on the midpoint of our episode here. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after these messages. This program is being brought to you by Headway Exec, leadership coaching and business advisory services. Visit us on the web at headwayexec.com. Now, enjoy the rest of this episode. All right, everyone, we're back, and thank you, uh, for enjoying the break. We are here today with Richard Flint. He is a specialist in human behavior. We have been talking about attributes of leadership and the distinction of who is really a leader. Uh, Richard, during our, our break here, you and I chatted a little bit. You've got a big event coming up. You want to go ahead and share that with everybody? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Doug. Um, May 19 through 22 here in West Palm Beach, uh, I'm having one of my small groups. I do a series of small group retreats limited to 15 people. And uh, May 19 through 22, we're doing a leadership uh, retreat. And our title is uh, Becoming an Exceptional Leader. And I love the word exceptional. And don't know if you see this the way that I see it, but, you know, we used to talk about great leaders. But when I study the word great today, great has become good. <laughs> and yeah. when we talk about good, good has become average. And we've got to get to, to a place where leadership begins to rise. And it's that word exceptional to me. And I define exceptional is going beyond where other people stop. And having that foundation of belief, trust, and faith. So we're going to gather during those dates here in West Palm Beach, and we're going to do a really deep dive into what leadership needs to be today. Uh, on Friday, we're going to talk about the Leadership Dictionary. And these are this is an open discussion group. And I'm going to put 10 words in front of the group that we're going to redefine, because I think there is so much confusion around leadership today. Uh, Basically, because we've rewritten what leadership is. Years ago, leadership used to be people first, product second, profit third. But somewhere we have rewritten this, and it's now profit first, product second, and people last. So we're going to rewrite that dictionary. And then on Saturday morning, I am so excited about being able to do this. Uh, we're going to talk about the four things that make a company self-destructive. And then, Doug, I took a hundred companies that used to be in existence uh, that today are gone. And I took these companies apart. And what I was able to do was find a four-step timetable 
by which a company goes through to self-destruct. And the interesting thing with this is when you hit timetable number three, the bottom part of it, you can't stop it. You can't stop the self-destruction. And then we're going to talk about what leadership. There are four things that leadership needs to be focused on today. And then on Sunday morning, which is our final morning, uh, we're going to talk about what does the face of an exceptional leader need to look like today? Uh, I, I, I'm like you in some respects. I, I look around and I try to find or try to see what I consider to be an exceptional leader. And it's a huge price to pay today. Because I think if we don't get back to people being the priority, you know, there are two types of customers. There's an internal customer and an external customer. Too many businesses put their emphasis on the external customer when the internal customer is the most important customer you have. Right. And if you bypass them, then we wonder what's happened with customer service today. Is that the internal customer doesn't feel valued. I had a guy tell me the other day who was laid off from a company he'd been met with for 21 years, and they're going to replace him with a younger person for a third of his salary. And he looked at me and he told me, he said, I've been with this company all these years, and, you know, loyalty means nothing. And I think that there may be some real truth in that statement. Yes. No, I I agree, and, and I do see that happening. There, There's no doubt the the shift to the focus on the bottom line and so people are looking at the so-called higher cost of of senior employees and saying using your example there well we can fill this slot with a younger less experienced person pay them a third or half and we'll be okay um the interesting thing is some of that is is already starting to shift in the job market they're finding they can't really replace people that readily because those that are younger, the competition is so high for the jobs that are available. Companies are having to pay top dollar for somebody that's just starting out and has no real experience. So it's kind of the pendulum is taking full swing and and coming back to sort of bite them in the backside over that idea of letting go of all those more senior people for the sake of trying to save a buck. So um, it, it is really interesting. Let's, um, let, let's talk about that leader's responsibility. You know, we, while we were on break, we talked about the fact that you can look around the landscape in the world today, and there are a lot of people sitting in positions of power but are they really leading? And that's a big question that I like your thinking that so many things have been redefined and they've kind of been dumbed down. So leadership has become synonymous with the position you're in and it's just not true. Well, let me give you an illustration. I have one of my mentoring students and I take on 10 people a year and I am their private mentor, not a coach, but a mentor for one year of their life. And I got this one gentleman that works for a company in Atlanta and they just bought another company and the CEO of the company that he works for retired. And the CEO of the company they bought, which went into bankruptcy, they appointed as the CEO of the company. And 
I don't understand why you would bring someone in that bankrupted a company and put him in as the CEO uh, of a new company. Uh, but I think every great leader that I've ever researched has uh, five skills that they keep developing. They're great at listening. And, you know, I think that's the strongest skill that you and I have to have in life is the ability to listen and to listen to words, but mesh it with behavior and right. understand that the real truth is the behavior. The second skill they have to have is they have to be a great communicator. And communicators are not dictators. They're people who know how to ask the right question in order to develop their people. And then third, they've got to be a person who's not fearful to confront. Uh, my philosophy at this point is this. Anything I don't confront, I validate. And mm. so many of the messes in companies is because we're, we don't want to confront because we, we think conf confrontation is a negative. It's not. Confrontation is a skill of resolution. That's all it is. And then great leaders also know how to delegate because they know in delegating, that's how they develop talent. And, and then they, they provide a clear direction so that they control the confusion. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I think that's a great framework. And so many books have been written about each of those topics. And let me ask you this. I'm going to share with you an, an approach that I take with a lot of my coaching clients, and, and I'm going to open myself up here for good feedback and, and, and confrontation. What I tell people is this. Leadership is such a misunderstood topic now. You can go to Google and look it up, and Amazon's going to show you 180,000 books on leadership. And if you start reading them, you're going to get a lot of different vocabulary words to learn. And they're going to describe so many different things. And I encourage my clients to pick a group of attributes that they understand about leadership and let that become their foundation. And a little bit, you know, custom design, so to speak. And what I hope for is that along the way, they're going to pick off out of your list of five, Richard, which I think is a great list. They're going to pick off many of those, if not all of them. But it, I, what I encourage them to do is create a personal framework that they can live by, something that fits what they believe they are about or can be about, and let that be the definition of the leader they want to be. What, what, what do you think about that approach to it? I, I like it, Doug, because here's why I like it. Is I think leader is a person. Okay, It's a title. It's a position. But you don't have leadership if you don't have the personality in that position to bring the positive forward. You and I are two things. We're a person, which is what people see. We're a personality, which is what people experience. Right. And if I'm just the person, the only way that I can, in quotation marks, lead is through the power of my position and my ability to control everything. 
That's not leadership. That's a dictator. Right. But a real leader is one who knows the strengths of their personality. And what is it about me that will make people want to follow me? What is it about me that creates that presence, that aura, that, that people want to be around me? And, and we put too much emphasis on the person and their, their experience and what they've done and where they've come from. And I think this is part of the reason we got away from putting people who had strong personality skills in leadership, and we brought people in who were simply a person. Well, I, I've argued and I've observed this in my own career path and life with big corporate, and I see it ongoing today. We have this strange idea that when we have a frontline supervisory job come open, we look around the team and we take the best producer, the best individual contributor, and tap them to be the new supervisor. And the the logic of that fails me. I, I never understood it the first time I saw it, and I've yet to understand it today. You inevitably mess up your best producer if if you do it that way, and you haven't addressed any of those kind of skills you're talking about, Richard. You haven't even looked at could this person be a leader for this team? Oh, you you're you're singing to the choir, Doug, because. Uh, I think inside of every organization, uh, I divide the people in the organization into three groups. Sponges, who are your brand new people that are there for you to develop. Spectators, who are there to keep the environment in confusion. And then camels, who are the backbone of the company. <laughs> and okay. so many times what happens is we'll take a top salesperson and put them into management they don't have the skills to be a leader. Right. And we take them out of their strength and put them into a place because of what they, we've seen that they've done without really looking to see, is this something this person wants? You know, and you, you got to understand the environment of a company and the vision of the company and what you want for the company. And then the leader has to be someone who doesn't come in and erase the history of the vision. Right, right. But what they do is they come in and they bring their personality and they, they see, feel, and understand the vision of the company. And with their personality, they can expand the vision because of their presence. You've seen this and I've seen it. I just watched the company go through this. They hired somebody. The company was a great company. CEO retired. So they, they brought someone in, and without him even knowing the company, all of a sudden, he just rewrote the whole playbook. Right. And the exodus of their experienced people was overwhelming. Yeah. It, you're right, and that happens so frequently. And it, it, there's, um, I, I think there's an implied dimension of that that, that people miss. If, if you're the person selected to be that new CEO, you somehow infer that you need to come shake things up or you need to change things around to, to make it right. And if you're not paying attention to the actual existing success of the business and you maybe only need to tweak something a little bit for that next incremental gain, you don't write, rewrite the whole playbook to get there. 
Yeah, I think you have to come in and the first thing you have to do is you need to get to know your people. Right. And you need to know the strengths and weaknesses of your people. Uh, another company that I, that I watched, a uh, new leader came in, gathered the top, his top team together and looked at him and said, I don't give a damn what you've done in the past. We're not going to do that anymore. And this is what we're now going to do. <laughs> yeah. And sure that happened. Yeah. Oh, it does. It, it happens way more frequently than, than one would hope. You know, summing all this up, I, I use the phrase when I talk to clients about the difference between management and leadership, I use the phrase management is about process and leadership is about people. And you can make a whole career being a manager, being assigned to help guide a team to flip the switches, turn the levers, and, and put the product out the door. That can happen, and that can be a business. Is it the most profitable business? Maybe, maybe not. Is it the best Bennett business? Again, maybe not. But inevitably, when you see somebody in that situation, what you find is the people story that goes with that is cluttered with broken promises, turnover, always constantly having to retrain. Nobody's loyal to the business. Nobody stays for very long, et cetera, et cetera. But when there's a leader in there that does focus those things on the people on the team, you get some continuity, you get some collaboration, you get some momentum that you can sustain and, and, and grow the business with that good you know, core working to a common good. Well, but that, you know, and that goes back to my three words, behavior never lies. Right. And that when that leader comes in, they come in and they establish a presence. And is that presence one to bring people toward them and in bringing them toward them, create a, an environment of value where people feel that they matter. Number one thing that a human life wants to know in any part of life is that they matter. And if they can come in and establish that presence that has a presence when they're not present, then they can work together. And, and one of the things, Doug, is I'm not a real big proponent of teams uh, because I think sometimes teams uh, reward the weak and punish the strong. And I'm a proponent of partnership. And in a partnership, people share three things. We share a purpose, we share an agenda, and we share a commitment. And if you put three people in that level, then you've got collective genius. And collective genius is where the people in the organization want to be a part of the growth of that organization. And it's not a job to them. I define a job as an environment that a human goes to every day where they prostitute themselves for a paycheck. Yeah. And yeah. It's not a job. It's a commitment. I want to be a part of this. I want this to grow. And. You know, this is some of the, the things we're going to talk about in my leadership retreat. And if people are interested, if they just go to richardflint.com, it's right there on the front page, all the information about the leadership retreat. And again, it's limited to 15 people. And we think, I think right now at this point, we have four spaces left. And But it's a time of collective genius. We'll put that link up in the show notes here as well at richardflint.com is the place to get more information about Richard. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up 
Uh, I always like to ask our, my guests uh, where they can, uh, where people can go to get in touch with you. I have one question. I'm going to totally shift gears, go in a whole nother direction. Richard, every picture, every promo, every piece, and every time you we've talked, you always have a, a your special style and of dress and your flowered shirts, Hawaiian shirts, and your uh, flair. I don't think I've seen you in a black suit yet. Um, <laughs> what's the story with that? Oh, it's a it's a fun story, Doug, because I used to wear suits all the time. I had a wardrobe of probably 100, 125 suits. Every suit had three ties to it, what I wanted to accomplish was dependent by the tie that I wore. And I was in Las Vegas one day and I walked in and I saw this shirt that was just colorful. I thought, I like that shirt. So I bought it and the next day I wore it on stage. And I got so many compliments on it and it's become my trademark. When I speak a lot of times, especially internationally, uh, I was in South Africa on tour. And when I finished, they gave me material for five shirts. Uh. I have a shirt maker here in Palm Beach who makes all of my shirts for me. Nice. And there's only one of a kind, like this one right here. This is actually from Johannesburg. Uh, and so everybody has a, a trademark uh, and a style to them. And I love color, Doug. I think color is energy. I, if I showed up on stage in a suit, people would go, who's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sometimes when I go back, uh, for a second presentation, which is what I do a lot, uh, people will remember what shirt I wore the last time. And, uh, but it's a, it's a part of presence. Presence is a style. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's an, an, an awareness that you have about yourself. Uh, and I believe in me. I believe that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I trust that every day I'm going to find that person. God's going to show me that person that needs me today. And then I have the faith and my faith says, because I can, I will. And I live every day to help people find three things in their life, how to be better. It's always possible. How to be smarter. That's not book knowledge. That's wisdom. And how to be stronger. How to live on that foundation of belief, trust and faith so that together we can create that presence that has presence that's not present. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this to you because people know I don't ever play any games. I think that's part of who you are. I think that you have created a presence that has a presence when you're not present. Uh, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and I've, I've, I've sort of studied you. And I think that's very true about you. And I want to commend you on that. No, I appreciate I that. I don't see that in a lot of people, Doug. I just don't see it. I really appreciate that, Richard. Uh, you know, I look back and I have long shared uh, a similar belief in in faith and, and understanding in, in my own purpose for being here. And I look back at my professional life, even my personal life, things that have happened all definitely happened for a purpose and they, they accumulate to create a a new purpose day by day and being able to position myself to share that with an audience or with a client or with a company is um, what I believe that is the next phase and the next step of what I'm supposed to be doing. So I appreciate you mentioning that. And um, I, I'm honored that you found that and see that I, 
want to encourage everybody. We we are up at the end of the uh, the time here, and I think this has just been amazing, Richard. Thank you so much for everything you shared, and I, I love the closing remark. There's really um, nothing much I can add to that. I want to encourage people to hit hit the rewind button here. Go back a, a couple of moments and listen to the closing challenge that Richard put out there. That we each can be that special person for the moment, that special person for the people we're around, and that person that can really make a difference <clears throat> right where you are. It's important that we focus on that and we make an effort to be that person, have that presence, be that influence. I would add to that just that means to me, don't go through the day just by chance and hoping to avoid challenge or interruption along the way, but go out there and make a real difference. So again, Richard, thank you so much for your time. We're going to have uh, the links to his website, richardflint.com. It'll be in the show notes. I want you to check out the event he's got coming up in May. And again, I thank everyone for listening in. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Go out there and make it a special day. Thanks, everyone.